Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 102. Friday. It's Friday right now. I took every Friday off for the rest of the year, as you may recall. Really was the greatest move of my life. I don't know what's going to happen in January. That's going to be really sad. Today's actually a company holiday, though, because every company needs a holiday in October that isn't Columbus Day. So, yeah. I forgot to do this podcast last week. I don't have a good excuse for it. I just was feeling kind of depressed, and I thought to myself on Thursday, you know what's going to make me really happy is if I spend the entire weekend playing No Man's Sky. So I did, and I thought to myself I was very being very responsible, and I got all my obligations and chores done before I started playing on Friday. And then I just played through the entire weekend because I'd gotten everything done. I mean, you know, I still did my chain shifts and everything. Don't get me wrong. I'm a good parent. (laughs) But I just played all weekend, and I completely forgot I was supposed to do my podcast. So I'm sorry about that. It's been three weeks. Lots been going on. I got a cough. One moment. There we go. It is 10 a.m., 10.30, uh, 10.21 a.m. on Friday. It's a beautiful day outside. I just got home. I've been doing a bunch of chores and errands this morning. I uh, did my normal writing errand <laughs> chore, uh, writing my daily email to friends and family. And then I went and dropped off the recycling at the recycling center, which was a big drama. I spilled a can, a trash can of soda cans all over the pavement. I had to pick them up one by one. <laughs> they didn't have the normal dumpster open. Uh, so I had to go to the side dumpster that's like, you know, not posh and it doesn't have the cool auto compactor like the main one. And there's like a bunch of big trucks in line in front of me. You can only go to these dumpsters one at a time instead of the main one where you can like two or three cars pull up at once. It took forever, but you know, I got it done. I went to Walmart because they're the only place around here that has decent snow peas. Uh, and I got my snow peas. <laughs> they were out of organic peanut butter. They're the only place around here that sells the organic peanut butter. And what else happened at Walmart is very exciting. I know uh, they had baby corn, but they did not have uh, water chestnuts or sprouts. That was a bummer. Uh, they did have a copy of Glenn Campbell's last new record, Live at the Troubadour, on limited edition Walmart-exclusive blue vinyl, and I didn't buy it. I really should have. I already regret it, but I was trying to be uh, responsible. I've been trying to not spend as much money. It's payday today, and I looked at how much money I spent on the credit card, and I thought I was doing really good, and it wasn't great. I mean, it was, you know, half as much as last couple. I pay my credit card off every two weeks, every payday. Uh, I try to live without debt. It's been a little expensive the last few. <laughs> we did that big Mythbusters charity auction thing, and I had some big expense last. Oh, the new iPhone, that sucked. So this one was better than that. But, like, honestly, for a two-week period where I just, like, paid the bills and stuff, it was pretty It was pretty brutal. Like, groceries are really expensive. I, 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 uh, I am comfortable. It is cheap here. I'm not complaining. But this is the first time I really noticed, like, inflation. It's kind of crazy. Uh, anyway, Walmart, yeah, uh, they had uh, the the Brilliance, Rubbermaid Brilliance uh, flour containers that I use for my neurotically organized kitchen. I got two new types of flour for some of my Asian cooking. 
glutinous rice flour and regular rice flour and they needed some brilliance containers and they haven't had them at Walmart for weeks. I, every time I go, I swing by the, the, the kitchen section and looking for them. They used to have them at Harris Teeter, but they don't have them there either, at least not on the grocery delivery thing. And I also, I hate Harris Teeter. I really don't want to order them online when I know I can get them in the neighborhood. But so I just kept checking. It took like a month and a half, but they had them today. So that was very exciting. You can tell I'm just living a very exciting, very, very interesting life here in pandemic Chatham County. Uh, and they did not have the wire hangers. I need more hangers. I buy a lot of band t-shirts. <laughs> That's really the only clothing I ever buy. Band t-shirts to support bands. I just ordered an underground lover shirt from Australia. I don't know how long that's going to take to arrive. Could be a few months, but uh, I've loved that band since the early 90s. So, you know, feel good about that. Um, yeah, Walmart, that was fun. Then I went to CVS to uh, try and get my Wagovi prescription. Uh, this has been an ongoing uh tribulation we will call it in my life for about two months now i got my doctor to prescribe me wagovi which is the weight loss drug it's a ozembic but for weight loss in an injectable form i really want it and i'm gonna go on a diet along with it and not that i've been eating poorly lately i've actually been eating well and losing a little weight but anyway i really want it but it's very much in demand and it's very hard to find and I can't get it, and CVS doesn't have it, and uh, there's like been a nationwide shortage, but I have a friend out in the Bay Area that was also like commiserating with me about it, and he just got his, and so I'm like, man, I gotta get on this, so I went back to CVS, I was like, this is your last chance, do you have this thing or not, because if you don't, I gotta go to my doctor and get him to write me a new prescription. I don't know for who, I'll have to call everyone, find somebody that has it, get my doctor to write a prescription for that place, hope it all happens quick enough. There's also this whole problem that, like, my doctor only wrote me a one-month supply, but I want to be on, you know, you're supposed to be on for, like, three months, but obviously if I start it and I get a one-month supply from CVS and then they don't have the next month's supply, I have to stop, that's a whole problem. So it's just been this giant nightmare, and I need to move on from hoping CVS can fill this prescription, so I gave them one last chance today. Oh, and then there's this whole thing, like, the insurance won't cover it, so I'm going to pay for it. I might fight the insurance. I'm still thinking about that, but I don't want to, I'm just going to pay for it in the meantime, but because I'm paying cash for it, you can't prepay at CVS. So they can't just order it and fill it and call me when it's there because the insurance, you know, it's this whole thing. So got to find somebody that has it in stock. It's a real nightmare. Uh, so no luck with that this morning. Uh, Aspen, been my morning. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Uh, what else has been going on? A lot of no man's sky. got a PlayStation five, as you may have intuited, uh, really lucked out. Got one on, I think I already told you this. Got one on Amazon, Prime members only kind of thing. So uh, even though I'm trying to buy less from Amazon, I bought my PlayStation from Amazon. Uh, and it arrived in like two days. It was amazing. Uh, then I went through all the games, and I was like, I don't really want to play any of these games. <laughs> uh, it turns out I don't really love video games. I mean, I love some, but, you know, I was like, all right, I really have been fa I've been fascinated with No Man's Sky since it came out. I followed the whole debacle when it launched, and I've been reading that it's a lot better now. And they did a PlayStation upgrade for it, and PS5 upgrade for it. Sorry about that. It's very satisfying. I've been playing it a lot. Trying not to play too much. I limit myself to my non-Jane bedtime evenings and the weekends. I'm profoundly tempted to install it, the PlayStation, in my office, on the TV in my office, instead of out in the living room, so I can play it during work hours. But I haven't done that. I'm very responsible. I'm a good human being. I'm a productive capitalist drone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been fun. I've been mining a lot of cobalt and refining it into ionized cobalt and... Mixing that with oxygen to double my amount of ionized cobalt and sell it for a lot of money. Try to get my, my money up. And then I've been scrapping ships to convert my cash into nanites and storage upgrades. 
Uh, and I've been slowly working on the story myth stuff, but really I just wanted to get a little stronger than yesterday before I really started on the uh, story. So that's been fun. We've had some visitors. Whoops, I think that was a beep that you may have heard. Let me just fix that. Apologies. Uh, yeah, we had some visitors. Uh, Nick and Megan came with their son Henry, I think two or three weekends ago. I don't think I told you about this. I think it was right. I think they were about to arrive last time we talked. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's true. Yep, that is true. So they came for the weekend. That was really fun. Uh, Jane and Henry. Henry's, you know, he's a lot older than Jane, but he, he, he's a good kid. And Jane loves him. And she, like, runs around, and he is nice to her, and it's great. And she, like, had a good time. And she was like, where's Henry? And it was just like, oh, friends. Uh, yeah, and, you know, catching up with them, seeing human beings. They got a camper. They park it in our yard, trailer. It's great. It's a great way to socialize for both of us. You know, uh, Nick and I are very old friends. We lived together in 1994, maybe five, something like that. And we went to BU at the same time, but we didn't know each other when we were at BU. But yeah, and he lives in Wilmington. It's lovely. Uh, and then two days ago, uh, Emma had a college, high school and college friend visit. This woman, Brandy, which she probably hadn't seen since college. And, uh, you know, they went to high school together, then college, and they were pretty good friends. And then she moved out west, so Emma hasn't really seen her. But she was in the state, because her brother lives in the state, and he's moving out west as well. So she was here visiting him before he moved, and then they just, all four of them, her, her husband, the brother, the brother's wife, and the brother's, brother's kid, uh, all came to the house. They, like, uh, the brother lives in the Charlotte area, so it wasn't even close. They drove two hours just to see us. It was so nice. And we, we all just hung out outside on the play set, <laughs> all six of the adults and the two kids. And their kid was, is two. It's a little girl, two-year-old girl. So uh, Jane was the older one, which is a new thing for her. She stole her ball once, and, and you know, the little girl handled it well. But I was like, Jane, you can't do that. you got to be kind. And she like she she went and got the ball and gave it back. So I was like, all right, she's picking up on this. But you know, I was, I'm definitely like a little like we gotta get this girl hanging out with other kids, man. I don't know, you know, it's it's a it's a real dilemma. But I still have too much pandemic fear and paranoia. It's been a whole thing. I was really down um, right after Nick left, probably the week after that, and I was really mopey, and I was getting sick of my shit. And, uh, you know, I was functioning. <laughs> I'd watch Jane. I was good at Jane. I, I snapped at Jane once. That was a problem. But, uh, you know, mostly good. <laughs> just just mopey. And Emma was like, why are you so mopey? I'm like, oh, I'm so mopey because the world sucks. And Donald Trump's going to run for president again. And there's still this pandemic. And nobody's paying attention to it but us. And now all my friends are getting COVID. And all their kids are getting COVID. And everybody, everybody's going out. And I have total FOMO. And I'd be going out too. But I got this kid. These vaccines are taking for You know, I just told her what we all know. And she feels too. So it's not like I was telling her anything she didn't know. And she was, and I was like, I miss my friends, you know, that was really the main thing. It's like, I miss my friends, man, you know, I mean, I like our life here and I like doing stuff, but when we chose to live here, the whole thing was that, you know, we have a good airport and we could go see people and for four or five years that worked out great. I loved living here because I like could, I had space and life was cheap and, and whenever I missed a friend, I could just get on a plane and go see a friend and now I can't. And, and you know, it's a totally different thing. And then I'm like all paranoid and wrapped up in my head that like, what if this happens again? You know, like if I can make it five more months till Jane gets vaccinated, that's doable. But like, who knows? Like, it's just completely thrown the sort of, uh, positive negative balance like the, the of this place out of whack. Like this is, this is the last time in our lives that we're going to have to hunker down 
and not be able to travel and like do I feel comfortable not being around my friends for the rest of my life and and like what about living in the south with this whole Trump thing and I don't know if that's good I you know I just rambling and telling her all this stuff and and she's like, well, you should at least go see your friends. I'm like, I know. Thank you. I, 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 I do not blame her for me not being able to go see my friends. I have my own paranoia about the pandemic. Uh, I don't want to get my kids sick, you know? Like, I don't care if I get sick. I'm vaccinated. I'm sure it won't be that bad. But I definitely don't want my kid to get sick. So I'm like, well, that's nice of you to say. She's like, you should just go now. I'm sick of this. <laughs> And I was like, well, I was thinking I'd go in December if things are better and things are trending in a good direction. And I think it's important to understand that if I start planning a trip in December, I will immediately become a lot happier because I will have something to look forward to. So it doesn't need to be tomorrow that I actually go see them. I just need to have a path towards seeing them. And she's like, okay, I get it. So that's what I'm doing. I've been planning a trip to New York in December. Um, you know, I mean, I miss my Boston friends probably more than my New York friends, or rather, maybe there's more of them, and it's hard to say. It's on balance, but I saw my Boston friends in the pre-Delta sort of safe period there. I got to go to Boston for one night and see a bunch of friends. It was great, but I haven't seen the New York friends in two years, so not two years yet. I'm already just calling it two years. It's like I already think I'm 50, even though I won't be 50 till May. Just, <laughs> just get yourself used to these numbers, you know? Uh, anyway, so I started planning this trip to New York and it's been, it, it totally worked. I've been in a great mood ever since I started planning it. I haven't bought the airline ticket or the flights yet, but what I have done is I bought tickets to a bunch of shows. Some of them already, I already had from back early this year when I assumed the pandemic would be done by now. Like I have a ticket for Genesis on Monday the 6th. And so I just bought tickets around that. I got a ticket for Yola Tango, a Bowery Ballroom on the 5th. My friend Flood is hooking us up with LCD sound system tickets on the 8th, and I have tickets for Wet Leg uh, on the 7th. And so four nights, four shows, four different friends, and doing stuff before and after. I'll probably actually just take the days off from work and like just enjoy myself, assuming that I can manage to go at all. So that's making me feel a lot better. It's something to look forward to. It's been pretty great. It's really, it's, 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 and so for the last week or so, I've been in a pretty good mood. And yeah. Uh, I do want to go back to Boston soon too. I'm starting to think about that, but I'm thinking probably January in the in the in the dark months. <laughs> I don't know exactly why. Rationally, I should go in the fall, but I don't think I'm not going to make the fall. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to go there. Uh, I I want to go visit Andy's grave. Probably go see my friends Dave and Heather up in New Hampshire. Just sort of spend a week up there. I think Emma would come with me on that one. And that's probably why I'm thinking winter is like if we can get Jane her first vaccine shot first and then we get rent like an Airbnb and then like we each do our, I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on that one. That one's vague. But I'm excited about this New York trip. If you're in New York, let me know. Let's hang out in December. Uh, and the other thing that really helped is I made bagels. <laughs> I was making bagels a lot last year and I got really good at it and I, they're just so delicious, but I was getting fat and I was like, I got to stop making bagels. So I took a big break. And then the other day I was like, well, it's time to make some more bagels. I, I lost like three pounds for some reason. And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm in the clear. <laughs> and I actually, I know why I lost it because I got this treadmill and I'm using it every day. But um, so I made bagels. <laughs> I made, you know, I, it's a, the recipe I use, uh, Reinhardt famous bagel recipe modified by my friend Catherine and Marfa, who's a baker and she's fantastic. And she's made some modifications to Reinhardt, which should tell you like her skill at baking. Uh, she gave me her recipe and I've been using that and it's great. And it makes a baker's dozen. So 
Emma has bagels with me on the weekends, and then I have enough for a whole week in between of bagels. So we had two weekends, and the in-between week I had bagel sandwiches, nine days of bagel sandwiches, and it was just fantastic. It made me so much happier. And then I was like, okay, no more bagels. <laughs> Jane loves bagels. She just fucking loves them. And I was like, no more bagels till at least November, Jane. She's like, no more bagels till November. <laughs> so no more bagels for a while. But it really did help cherry me up. That was great. That was great. Uh, my health is generally okay at the moment. My legs are, my leg is good. I mean, there's, I have some complications that I assume come from the torn adductor muscles. The actual area where the adductor muscles is a little tense still, but the, this, I'm stretching it out and it's pretty good shape. But my knee's all fucked up. In a real weird way, it's hard to explain. It's like I have an exposed funny bone. If I just kneel, even on a mattress or a pillow, if I just kneel on it, it, it intense stinging pain. There's definitely something really bad about it. Emma's like, this isn't a big deal. I've had stuff like this. Just go to like, you know, orthopedics and, and I'm working on it. I haven't done any of that yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to. The nicotine quitting is going great. I mean, God, it must be three, three months now, something like that. Um, the mints are a problem. I've been eating these icebreakers mints with xylitol, but they're giving me farts like nobody's business. I Googled it, and apparently that's a thing. So, uh, yeah, that's a problem. I'm going to switch to Altoids. They got sugar in them, so I'm a little bit worried, but uh, what can I do, man? I have a horrible oral fixation. But, yeah, I don't really – I mean, I, I definitely still have some nicotine cravings. I'm not going to lie. And when Emma and I were having our serious discussion about my mood, she was like, I am not willing to completely write off the nicotine as a possible source of this. And I was like, that is definitely a valid theory. Like, I still crave nicotine quite frequently. So I'm not going to say I'm over it yet. And I'm still using some uh, vigilance, constant vigilance. It's fall, so I had to get a fall coat out. I got my favorite fall coat out, this completely horrible Levi's black corduroy shirt coat that I've had for 25 years that Emma hates, but I love. And I put it on this morning, and it had, uh, in the breast pocket, it had some nicotine lozenges from last fall. And I was like, I don't care. I just threw them away. It didn't even, not, it wasn't even tempted. Uh, interestingly, what I really miss is vaping. I don't really miss the lozenges. I miss the vaping. Uh... <laughs> That Saturday Night Live skit with the Kardashians. And I can't. I don't. I don't know who uh, he was playing. What, what's his name? I don't know. God, what's his name? The, the, I was gonna say the funny one. That's not, hold on. Let me look it up. Of course, as soon as I started looking it up, I remember Pete Davidson. Anyway, this is uh, when he he was playing somebody in the Kardashian entourage, and he said, "I want to vape you." And I just thought that was the funniest thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to vape so bad. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm I'm staying firm. Uh, and then uh, this treadmill is awesome, man. So I got into my office. I put it on an 8% incline. And I walk. I don't walk that fast. Two, two and a half miles an hour. But I do like an hour to an hour and a half every morning. And A, it makes me feel so much better. Uh, I had been slacking the week that I was depressed. And then after the conversation, I really, like, I, I got you know, it's been two weeks now, but I got like a lot more diligent about it. And, and oh my God, it just makes me feel so much better to do it every morning. So that's been going great. Uh, has had a mild impact on my weight, which I'm a little surprised about because I've always assumed that exercise doesn't do shit for weight for me, but it seems to be doing a little bit something. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, I just, I like it. It makes me happier. And, um, the big thing, you know, I still, we still walk every night and I get some exercise, but like, uh, in the winter I didn't at all last winter. And I regret that. So it's here for the winter, and I think it's going to help a lot. I'm excited. Jane is great. She's over at Grammys right now. I think she's usually over at Grammys when we're talking on Fridays these days. 
yeah, she's just growing so fast. Uh, she still throws tantrums. They're still really hard. Um, she's getting a little bit better about the stalling. She's, you know, very into telling time, checking the weather, the percentage chance of precipitation. She loves telling time. It's just, it's amazing. She just loves it. She, she likes reading a lot, but not books. I mean, I think she reads books over at Grammys, and occasionally I can convince her to read a book. But really, she uh, just reads everything else. Um, she's been drawing a lot. She's going to draw, like, really nice cats now. She's got this sketchbook over here next to my desk that she draws in every morning, and it's just really... It's really impressive, but I guess she is four, so I guess that's normal, right? I don't really know. She's not four. She'll be four in two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks, something like that. Boop, 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 boop. Yes, less than two weeks now. Twelve days. Jane will be four. That's crazy. Four years, man. But I am starting to worry. I mean, I watch her in these interactions and these children of our friends that visit, and she does pretty well. Uh, Emma's very sensitive about using the shy word because people kept calling Emma shy when she was a kid and gave her a complex. And I wouldn't call Jane shy. I think she's just sort of like takes her a little bit of time. Like when Henry first gets here, she's like, she doesn't really want to talk to him. She stays close. But, you know, they're here three days. And by the second day, she was like running all around playing with Henry. She's not shy. She just doesn't have a lot of practice hanging out with other children. I want to send her to at least a year of, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I just don't know. Like at least a year of preschool. I guess, um, but uh, there's this whole other problem that's like uh, looming on the horizon where she can already read, she can already do basic math, she can already tell time on an analog watch, and I'm like, what? she's not going to kindergarten for two more years because she's an October baby and she's just turning four now, so she was three when school started this year, so like two more years before she can go, and I'm just like, she's going to be so bored, I think. I mean, I don't really remember kindergarten very well, but, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. So do I just like not like worry about it? Do I not put her in school? I don't I don't know. There's a really good charter school public run by the, the district. And it is one of the best charter schools in America. And it's a lottery open to the whole state. And it's like five miles away. So I figure if she gets into that, then we have to send her because that's too good of an opportunity. And, you know, we're paying taxes. We should get our money's worth, right? Jeez, <sighs> that sounded capitalistic and suburban. I apologize. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, don't, I, I support public education, but I don't really want my daughter to be bored. Uh, I don't know. I'm having a lot of dilemmas about this. Uh, we got some time to figure it out, though. But uh, otherwise, yeah, she's good. She's good. She... The other thing that really sucks is that her palate is becoming more limited as the pandemic continues. Like the other day after the bagel week, <laughs> I was like, I haven't had a grilled cheese sandwich in two years. I want a grilled cheese sandwich. I made me and Emma and Jane grilled cheese sandwiches for lunch one day because I only eat healthy shit at home. Right. Or I try to. And like we used to go to this burger place and I'd get like a salad and then we'd get a burger and then we'd get her the kids grilled cheese and like she loved it. She ate grilled cheese all the freaking time. And now she's just like, I maybe Jane doesn't like grilled cheese. I'm like, maybe Jane does like grilled cheese. You fucking ate them forever. But she doesn't remember, you know, like she used to eat dumplings once a week and sushi once a week. And I'll, you know, we'll get dumplings delivery or occasionally I'll try and make them or, you know, or at least I've, I've endeavored once. It was not a complete failure. And also I get the frozen ones from the Asian market. And she's just like doesn't want them anymore. And it's just like a bummer. She still likes some weird things like couscous and tofu. But and she still doesn't eat a lot of meat. But like it's just like all she wants are like noodles, baby corn, chicken, 
one little piece of chicken every day, maybe like half cubic inch of chicken. That's all the meat you'll eat. Uh, it's just like noodles and baby corn and pears. And I'm like, you need more food in your life. She doesn't like potatoes. She doesn't like mashed potatoes or French fries. Like shit you just think kids like. She just doesn't even want to try. And I'm like, we had done so well about this when she was a baby. And now it's just like, I don't know. Her palate is dwindling and it's bumming me out. And we still order stuff. It's not like we, you know, it's not like we're sitting here in the house like eating noodles every night, right? Like Emma and I, like we get like really good delivery two or three nights a week. Emma makes a great meal twice, twice a week. Like, you know, I mean, sure, we have pizza on Friday and tacos on Tuesday, but the rest of it is like infinite variety. We get Indian, we get Middle Eastern, we get Japanese, we get Vietnamese, we get Thai, we get barbecue, you know, all this stuff. And she just doesn't want any of it. She used to eat collard greens. She doesn't eat collard greens anymore. She still likes hush puppies, so I guess she's still got a little southern girl in her, which is, I like that. That's just upsetting to even say. Oh, jeez. Anyway, Jane's well. <laughs> this is all taking really long. I'll speed it up. Work's going well. There's been a lot of M&A going on. We are holding firm. We're going to take over the world. <laughs> Apple Evan bought MoPub. That's pretty crazy. Probably means nothing to most of you, but uh, Mopo was owned by Twitter, and it was kind of like our not our these people aren't our rivals because we're sort of a different thing, but we all operate in the big the same ecosystem, and they're sort of the two non fang behemoths because you know they well, they, I mean, this is the reason I'm still in this business is because this is the one segment of advertising on the internet that Google and Facebook have not completely captured. They're involved, don't get me wrong, combined, they probably own. 30, 40, maybe even half of it. But there are other behemoths out there that are keeping this segment of money away from them. And there, there's room for little companies like us, right? So like there's Unity and Iron Source and Vungle and Apple Evan and, and there's us and there's Mopub and there's even Amazon. It's, and I, I just like it because it's still an opportunity to keep this chunk of money away from the oligopolies. So that is why I continue. But uh, Apple 11 and Mopub combining forces is no skin off our back, especially in the short term. But it's also just sort of like a God consolidation, man. But I'm holding firm. <laughs> we're holding firm. We're going to we're going to we're going to win and we're going to win while independent. Maybe, probably, hopefully. Uh, Apple and Epic are both appealing the Apple v. Epic ruling, which I think is pretty hilarious. Apple insisted they won, and it was an unmitigated win for Apple. So, of course, they're appealing. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, and then there's this Korean law that got passed that says that Apple has to allow other forms of payment for in-app purchase in the App Store. And Apple's in complete denial about this. They're begging the U.S. government to intervene on their behalf. They're calling it like trade protectionism. And it's an interesting twist, right? Like a country passing laws to fight monopolies is trade protectionism if those monopolies aren't are American. I mean, that's kind of funny. It's an interesting argument. Super the argument of the company that's doing good in the world, right? Uh, but for us, you know, uh, all the privacy stuff that they did, quote unquote privacy stuff, all the bullshit they did to hurt Facebook and look virtuous while being hypocritical is uh, the impact of that is mostly over now. And it hurt, but it's leveling off. Things are growing again and uh, it's it's fine. We will survive. Other projects, the gardening's going well. Uh, the brassicas aren't doing great. I can't, my broccoli and cauliflower is not really growing very well, which is a bit of a bummer. But things that are going great, the peppers are going great, the lettuce, the spinach, the beets, the radishes, the carrots, and very excitingly, the snow peas are going great. 
I haven't successfully grown snow peas ever, so I haven't got a snow pea yet, but they're looking really good. I, I'm feeling solid about it. I got one good cucumber. <laughs> Actually, I got like three, but my cucumbers are mostly a failure this year. The tomatoes are great aside from the deer and the squirrels eating them relentlessly, but they still produced enough tomatoes for us, so that was good. I got a big plan for next year. Em and I worked it all out. I got two new birdies beds, so I have four now, and I'm going to get these better hoop houses, and we figured out where we're going to put everything. I don't have to do all this like landscaping terracing like I thought I was going to have to do. And uh, next year, I'm going to grow the tomatoes in a hoop house so they're protected from the squirrels and the deer, and it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited for next year's gardening. Uh, the compost is doing great. I really know our compost. And yeah, things are just going pretty well. I mean, it's, it's pretty low maintenance at this point. Fall is pretty rainy here, so I don't have to water every day, which is nice. And, uh, you know, I just go out there once a week and cut peppers. Lots and lots of peppers. I'll probably harvest some spinach and, and lettuce today, make a nice salad. I think I got a couple tomatoes to grab. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pleasant. It's pleasant. It's going to be even better next year, though. Also, the other thing I'm going to do, I didn't do it this year, and I really should have, is the, irrigate, the drip irrigation. I hate watering every day. It takes forever when you have a big garden, and I need to get the drip installed, and I will enjoy gardening so much more once I do that. So that's next year's plan. I think the studio reorg is about done. The treadmill was, like, the last edition. Uh, you know, I have, like, big, big, bulky items I need to get rid of, and I don't know how to get rid of them uh, or if I even want to. I have a tabletop arcade 80s Crystal Castles game that is not functioning that I need to get fixed and then sell or keep and then I have my Farfisa which is mostly functioning but needs a huge tune-up and honestly I have a software Farfisa and Logic that sounds just as good and the thing takes up so much space so I don't know if once I deal with those two if I get much more space I will do another round but uh yeah it's good I love my treadmill I love walking on it every day I got like my iPad there I do like all my email new newsletters reading and my Safari reading list I do while I'm walking uh it's awesome it makes me very very happy and then the Good Morning Hello, How Are You book is going great. Uh, Lisa is editing. We've been emailing about it. She's very kind and tells me it's very good and has a wider audience than my friends and I should get an agent again. And I told her all about my problems with agents for which half is wasted and how I have agent scarring. And she's like, I understand. I got rid of my agent too. And so, but it was nice. It was very validating. Uh, we're still trying to figure out where it's going to end because the pandemic's not over. But uh, it's going along, and I, I'm, she just has nice things, so that makes me happy. Um, yeah, we'll see. I haven't got, like, a full draft from her yet, but I'm excited. And then moving on to media. All right, that was a half hour talking. I missed you guys. I hope you're doing all right. Sorry I skipped a week. <laughs> on Plex, there's a bunch of new stuff. Uh, the Michael Almadira film Nadia, vampire film, independent, black and white, from the mid-'90s, produced by David Lynch. Starring Alina Lowenson has a, a wonderful unhinged performance by Peter Fonda in it. I saw its premiere, but I haven't seen it in ages. So, uh, and my friend Willow, old Alaskan friend, reminded me of it. So I grabbed that. Uh, Miami Vice, the Michael Mann film. I read some article about how it's an underrated gem. I saw that film in the theater opening week, and I did enjoy it. But uh, the reviews were really bad, and I was young and susceptible, and I ended up believing the reviews. So I regret that. I'm going to rewatch that. Amistad is up there because I read about it in my book and I want to rewatch that. 
just says music. I don't know what that means. <laughs> robot Wars is up there and BattleBots, two of those robot battle building competition shows. One is English, one is American. I put all those up in the TV folder because Grant Imahara and the Mythbusters and Fawn Davis, all these people I've been watching on YouTube and stuff, were all in them. And I, I mean, it's all pretty low res. It's all older, but I wanted to watch some of it. So we, we grabbed all of that as well. So that's all the new stuff in Plex. Uh, on Discogs, I turned my store back on and did some sales. I sold an Ultra Vivid Scene single, CD single, She Screamed. Has my favorite Ultra Vivid Scene song on it. <laughs> Ultra Vivid Scene song on it. Not in Love, Hit by a Truck. Uh, interestingly, I sold that the same day as I bought and found a really rare late career Kurt Ralsk record. Kurt Ralsk from Ultra Vivid Scene had a band much later called Cathars or Cathars, I don't know how it's pronounced, C-A-T-H-A-R-S, that was solo and more like modular electronic instrumental. And uh, I bought that record. I've been looking for it for ages, and it shit came up on, on Discogs, and I bought it. And then like two hours later, I sold this Ultra Vivid Scene CD, and I was so excited. And I and I like had this a giant moral like debate in my head about whether I should tell the purchaser about this and chat with him or not. And I was like, he doesn't care, you know? <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, you don't need doesn't care. You, should, you need to be more friendly. You need to like tell people things when you have interesting comments to say, you know? I was thinking about this, too. I do this with famous people when I meet them, and I have something interesting to say. I just don't say it. And so I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to just tell this dude. And I was like, hey, you know, great. This is on the way. It's great. I love that single. It's got my favorite UVS song on it. And also, I just bought this today. It's such a weird coincidence. Dude didn't answer me at all. But I'm still happy I did it. Uh, like the internal moral gear grinding of somebody that's like slightly socially awkward. You know what I mean? But uh, I feel like it was a small victory nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Popple itself. I used to love Pop Lead itself. I still really respect Pop Lead itself, even though I got roofied at a Pop Lead itself show in, in Greenpoint. <laughs> I really think that's true. I saw them. I had this night. I had one drink with Kristen from work at Zablowski's, and then I walked over to Brooklyn Night Bazaar when it was in Greenpoint to watch Pop Lead itself, and I had two beers. And then I went to uh, that place... Uh, Warsaw to see Nitzareb. And by the time I got to Nitzareb, I had one beer there. So four drinks across like from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. I passed out in the corner and had to be woken up by a bouncer. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? And I think it was because I got roofied while I was at the Pop Weed Itself show. But anyway, the earlier period Pop Weed Itself shows I loved. Uh, I saw them at Axis on April 3rd, 1991, and it was like one of the greatest shows of my life. I have seen them like seven times. I saw them at the Limelight. It was amazing. Um, anyway, sold this album, Looks of the Lifestyle on CD. I already own it on vinyl. I have a large Pop Weed Itself collection on vinyl. <laughs> it's kind of a problem. Uh, homeboy Hippie Funky Dread, start the panic. It's like a early 90s rave anthem from my very brief period of rave when I DJed at v not DJed, but I worked at Venus De Milo in Boston and I was really into like electronica and, and rave for a, a very brief moment there. And it's a pretty rare CD single version of Start the Panic with some exclusive remixes. It's not cheap. I think this guy paid like 25 bucks for it. But, you know, fine with me. I don't care. I mean, I like that song and I, I always love that band name, A Homeboy, A Hippie and A Funky Dread. But that is sold. Uh, Unbunny, uh, Unbunny was a singer songwriter, solo folk act out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We had a bunch of mutual friends in the mid nineties and I was completely obsessed and I sold the black strawberry CD, which I own on vinyl. 
not a lot of Unbunny was printed on vinyl, but what was I now own. So I think I've actually mentioned it through the years on the podcast. But uh, yeah, sold that off. Uh, Rex, which was like a slow core band. I don't know much about Rex. I really like them. I saw them open or saw them play with Codeine and Come. They like they're you know in that whole like slow core thing. Uh, sold their Waltz EP, which I really liked, and I forgot all about it. So, but it's gone. Uh, Rolf Hind, Country Music, Factory Classical album, uh, sold to the same guy that bought an earlier Factory Classical CD for me. And Waxahachie, I accidentally owned two copies of their latest album, St. Cloud, on vinyl, and so I finally sold one of them. So that's good. Uh, got a bunch of new vinyl, not tons compared to before. I've definitely been slowing down. I haven't been buying new vinyl, but stuff has been coming in that I had bought previously. Uh, six, I, I'm a member of the three lobed records record club. It's like a monthly record subscription thing that this record label does. And it's been fantastic. Uh, and I think these are the fifth and sixth records in it. The six organs of admittance, the veiled sea. I've talked about this record. It's a new, new album by six organs of admittance. I listened to it on Spotify like three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. But uh, the vinyl just showed up, and I gotta tell you again, that's a fantastic album. The Veiled Sea by Six Organs of Admittance. Kind of sight guitar if you're into that sort of stuff. Uh, and then this album by Pelt, uh, Retinence Resistance. I saw Pelt a few times back in the day. They're sort of an experimental avant-garde drone band, and I really enjoyed them. I thought they were broken up, but this is a new album. But it seems it's a live album from earlier, so they might still be broken up. I don't really know. I haven't delved. But it's fantastic. Uh... The whole album is not on Spotify, but there is a Retinence edit on Spotify for Pelt if you want to check it out. It's pretty great. Uh, Taylor Swift, it got the Fearless Taylor version in the mail finally. Uh, It's a beautiful pressing. It sounds great. Uh, I like the remix at the end. (laughs) Yay, Taylor. Uh, I'm writing an essay about the Taylor Swift Taylor's versions, so you can look for that in a few weeks. Uh, and then I got a uh, Swans record I had ordered months and months ago uh, with the other Swans records, but it was back ordered. It was a new reissue pressing of Filth. I have Filth on vinyl, but it is beat to shit. It's like an old radio station copy. So I was ordering the other uh, Swans records that I did not have from directly from Michael Jire and the Swans. And they, had, they were like, we're repressing Filth. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll buy a copy. And it just showed up. I haven't actually listened to it yet because, I mean, I've heard Filth so much in my life. But I will listen to it. And it's a nice copy. So if you are in the market for a copy of Filth by the Swans on vinyl, now's your chance. Uh, Emmylou Harris, Pieces of the Sky. That was the Vinyl Me Please Country selection of the month. I don't remember what the regular one was, but I did a swap. Uh, and it's a great record. Uh, she sounds a lot like Dolly Parton on it, and she does Coat of Many Colors on it, which was uh, Vinyl Me Please released by Dolly Parton like four months ago, so it was very confusing. But uh, it's a beautiful record. Um, also, I have always, I've loved Emmylou Harris most of my life, but like, it's weird because I first got into her when I was a kid, like in sort of my Debbie Boone and country and Little River Band kind of you know, when I was like 12. And at that point, you know, Emily Lou Harris was a little bit older. Maybe she was even, I don't I don't, I don't know much about Emily Lou Harris, right? But like my picture of her in my head is she's older. And uh, then I got into her again, like in the 90s and into later as I got into country music and like, Graham Parsons stuff. And like, you know, um, I learned a bit more about her and I, I like listened to the earlier stuff. And but I never like saw photos of her. And then I got this album in the mail. I was like, God damn, Emily Lou Harris was a babe. <laughs> I did not know this ever. <laughs> anyway, Jesus. 
She looks beautiful on the cover of that album. Uh, like I said, I got the Cathars album, Kurt Rausk from Ultra Vivid Scenes, later period, uh, electronic instrumental. It's called Early Bells and Voices. I enjoyed it very much. My vinyl came of the new St. Etienne album. I've been trying to tell you it is a fantastic record. The vinyl is finally shipped. It's powder blue. It's very pretty. It's great packaging. And uh, I love that record. It's my favorite St. Etienne record in 20 years. Uh, I did buy one new order and it came very quickly, which is the Cocteau Twins Tiny Dynamite 12 inch because after I discog cataloged and processed all that big 480 purchase I made a few weeks ago that I told you about, I realized there was only one 12 inch that I did not have to thus complete my Cocteau Twins vinyl collection up through Heaven or Las Vegas. And it was Tiny Dynamite, a 12 inch single. And it's cheap. So I bought, a, I bought a copy. I don't know, like 10 bucks, maybe 12. And now it's done. I own every Cocteau Twins EP and LP through Heaven or Las Vegas on vinyl now. Most of them I owned, I've owned since the 90s. But I've, I rounded it out. I feel really good about that. And then finally, my copy of For Those I Love came on vinyl. Uh, I told this story on my daily email, so you might have already heard it. But I, I ordered this in like April. And I got a shipping notice in July. I didn't notice it. I... I mean, you know, it shipped and I was like, okay, cool. It was, but I, I probably read it and just filed it thinking the record was going to show up. And then it never showed up and it, I forgot about it until this week. And I was like, what the hell? Whatever happened to that for those I love record? And so I looked at the shipping notice and I clicked on the tracking number and it said that it had scanned in Portugal in July and then two days later it scanned in Belfast in July. And that was it. There was no more tracking info. So I was like, okay. And I just wrote to the record company, the the place I ordered it from. I was like, yo, this record never shipped. Can you help me? And then later that day, the record showed up. (laughs) So it's October, late October, mid October, (laughs) August, September, three and a half months later, this record showed up the day I decided to complain about it. But on the flip side, it was packaged very well. The record's in great condition. It's awesome packaging. And I just listened to it again right now. And I, I love that record so much. It's intense, man. It's hard to listen to that record and do other stuff, but it's just so intense. That guy's amazing. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in for those I love, but I really love it. Uh, so that's all the vinyl. And it's going to be even smaller. And that's three weeks, mind you, not the usual two. So I'm, I'm doing better. I'm, I'm getting this bad habit of mine under control. Albums I did, I listened to also pretty short for three weeks. So uh, you know, we're, we're, we're wrapping this up. We're good. We're, we're making good progress here. Ned's Atomic Dustbin had an EP a year or two ago, and I never listened to it called Until You Find Out, Flexible Head Bite. Uh, and I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it sounded like Ned's Atomic Dustbin. It was great. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll ever replicate my emotional attachment to Kill Your Television and Gray Cell Green, but it was really good. Craig Kilby, Satori, it was a jazzy thing uh, that uh, Sam Valenti mentioned on his Instagram stories, and it was cool, but it wasn't really my thing. Uh, Robert Wyatt, I listened to a bunch of Robert Wyatt. (laughs) I can't remember why, God, it's so long ago now. I read some weird story about Robert Wyatt somewhere. Somebody posted it or something, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was my friend Doug. He, like, posted a Robert Wyatt song about pigs didn't post it. He sent it to me. And I was like, this is such a weird song. And all I, I knew Robert Wyatt's name. And like, I've heard of stuff with like hot chip and a few of those later period collaborations. And, but you know, I went and read his Wikipedia page. And I'm like, God, this guy's been around forever. I never really, you know, uh, associated him with his early career in soft machine and all that. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to a ton of the, the Robert Wyatt early stuff. And there's a compilation called EPs. that wraps up all his early EPs. So I listened to that. It was very weird and very enjoyable. So yeah, that was pleasant. 
Von Sudenfed, Traumatic Reflections. Uh, my friend Catherine and Marfa told me about this. Uh, it's Marky Smith and Mouse on Mars collaborating, and it's awesome. Von Sudenfed. <laughs> That's so weird, right? But uh, yeah, it's great. I really enjoyed it. It's like Mouse on Mars with Marky Smith talking over it. <laughs> But it works most of the time. Some of it's not that great, but most of it's really good. Uh, Eartha Harris, who is a electronica artist out of Asheville, North Carolina, that used to be a friend of mine back in the 90s in Boston goth scene. We weren't that close. We were like casual friends, same party scene kind of thing. We're Facebook friends. Uh, she is a, seems to be a pretty successful electronica musician now. And she had a new EP out called Mirror Suit. It topped the resident advisor charts. Did really well. So I listened to that uh, and I enjoyed it and, you know, I'm not exactly an electronica obsessive anymore, but it was really good. Nick Cave and Nicholas Lenz, a uh, spoken word collaboration thing called Litanies, uh, did not care for it. Nick Cave, not my thing, that one. Ministry has a new album called Moral Hygiene, and I fucking loved it, and I walked real fast on the treadmill to it, and I got all angry about Donald Trump, and sure, Donald Trump's out of office and putting an album out being released in October of 2021 about Donald Trump seems like it might be a tad late, but on the other hand, the dude's probably going to run again, so hey, never too late to make an album angry about Donald Trump, right? Uh, but even ignoring that, just the sound of it's really good. It's got a cover of Search and Destroy by the Stooges. It's just good. Like, I didn't think Ministry had it in them to make a good record, but I really enjoyed it. Strand of Oaks has a new record in heaven. I enjoyed it. Not as much as I loved the last two, which I profoundly loved, but I've only given it like two or three listens. It's a little bit more mellow, a little bit less rock, which normally for me would be a plus. I can't quite explain it. Um, his miserable anger seems diminished a little bit, and so I'm happy for him. That's good. Uh, but, you know, a little bit of the Wilco situation where me personally, at least being kind of a depressive doesn't really click with these bands as much when they cheer up. I'm no hard feelings, man. Cheer up. That's good. Good for you. Uh, and I'm not even sure. That's just a thesis. It's not exactly a happy record. It's just happier. <laughs> Illuminati Hotties does a new record. Let me do one more. Uh, it's, it's a woman. It's, I think it's basically like a solo project. I think it's like a spiritualized Smashing Pumpkins kind of situation. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Uh, I really loved her earlier stuff. I've given this album three listens and I like it a lot. Um, it, it's just hard because albums now like are... are I guess this was always sort of the case, but like it's getting more extreme that, you know, they release singles in advance of the albums up to three or four singles. This album has like 10 tracks and four of them were released as advanced Spotify tracks. So by the time it came out, I'd already been listening to the four best songs for like, and they, in this case, they were the best songs for like six months. So yeah, the album's out, but like I, I felt old already. It's kind of frustrating for me. A Madhu Mokhtar, Afrique Victim, M-D-O-U-M-O-C-T-A-R. Uh, my friend Todd out in L.A. recommended this. He had seen them live. I'm jealous. He goes to live shows. I do not. Uh, and it was fucking awesome. It's like psych rock from the African continent, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> Geniuser, I am. Uh, Geniuser is Michael Allen from the Wolfgang Press. After the Wolfgang Press, they've been around forever. I didn't know about this. I knew the Wolfgang Press broke up, and I just never bothered to, like, see what they were doing afterwards. Turns out he's been doing this geniuser thing for quite some time. And if you like late period Wolfgang Press, like Mama Told Me Not to Come or Time, especially Time. It sounds a lot like Question of Time by Wolfgang Press. 
but I really liked it. Kind of like low-key uh, electronica, a little bit droney, a little bit punk. Uh, Advanced Bass, uh, a.k.a. Owen Ashworth, a.k.a. Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone, has two new albums out. One is a live album called Live at Home, and one is a covers album called Wall of Tears and Other Songs I Didn't Write. I enjoyed them both. I preferred the live album because it's got a really great slow, moody version of Scattered Pearls, which is one of my top 10 favorite Owen Ashworth songs. Uh, the Chats, <laughs> punk band from England. Uh, Catherine again from Marfa. Wow, she's been recommending a lot of good stuff lately. Bagels, good music. <laughs> uh <laughs> The song was a big hit like three, two, three years ago, but I missed it called Smoko. <laughs> Don't bother me. I'm on a Smoko. And it's great. And uh, I, so I listened to that whole album. It's like 10 songs and 14 minutes or something like that. It's fantastic. And then uh, that album's called Get This In Ya. And then I listened to the next uh, later uh, Chats album called High Risk Behavior, which is more of the same. And it's great. I just love them. They're like a dumb punk band from, from England. And they made me really happy. Thin White Rope. Moonhead, Thin White Rope is old 90s, 80s band, actually. Uh, always heard the name, didn't know anything about them. Uh, oh, Chris Brokaw from many bands, Come, The New Year, Pullman, Seeing Cake. Uh, I knew him casually in Boston back in the day. Uh, when he post Come, him and Talia Zydek. Uh, we are Facebook friends, but we don't really know each other that well. But I follow his career. Anyway, he... Uh, posted that he was obsessed with this band and when he saw him at the Rat in like 1989 and he's always loved them and I had never really heard them so I gave it a listen Thin White Rope uh, Moonhead was the name of the album and it's really good it does not sound like it's from that period it's got a, like a Mission of Burma feel to it but even more modern sounding it's, it was impressive he was like I was so obsessed with them I'd ask him what guitar tones they use and I could see why because it sounds like an album out of place in time so that's a compliment listen to the Ty Siegel album Harmonizer uh, a couple of really great songs on there. I need to listen to it a couple more times, but uh, I sort of was really obsessed with them like five, six years ago, and then I just forgot all about them. And somebody mentioned this was a good album, and I listened to it. I was like, yeah, they're right. And it's got, some, I think it's Sister, somebody else, Seagull, sings on it. And uh, on a couple songs, and it's got, it's just, it's really good. It's, it's got some perfect pop songs on it. The Boo Radleys have new stuff. Uh, Boo Radleys were a 90s shoegaze band that I quite liked. They are on Creation Records. Uh, imploded due to the usual suspects of anything on creation records drugs and alcohol and whatnot they have reunited without one of the band members martin carr who was one of the main songwriters uh seems like he's off solo now but uh they have a new album called well it's an ep but there's an album coming the ep is called the full syringe and memories of you um i really liked it it sounds more like late period boo radley's less guitar effects more clever songwriting which is a good thing fruit bats my friend Nick from Wilmington recommended the new single from the Fruit Bats from me off of their new album, The Pet Parade, and he was right. You know, I never knew about the Fruit Bats. Like, I just never, I, I'd heard their name. I always ignored them. They're on Merge right down the street. And, uh, yeah, so I just never listened to them. But Nick was like, this song is great. And I listened to it. I was like, that is a great song. I looked them up. I kind of, like, figured out, read the whole history. I listened to the album. I really liked it. Realized they also this year put out an entire cover album of Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins. I listened to that. It's really good. It's like a way to listen to Siamese Dream without having to think about <laughs> the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> It's really mellow and sad. I don't know. It's really good. It's like folky, slow, Siamese dream. Anyway, the fruit bats are awesome. I'm going to listen to more of them. 
Uh, and I think I really obsessed with Lisa Gerard again from Dead Can Dance. I've been listening to those Dead Can Dance Live 2005 albums that have been coming up on Spotify. They've put out like six of them in the last few months. And there's a song on one of them I was just obsessed with. It's called Hymn for the Fallen. It's they, Not every show, but about half the shows on the tour, they would close with it. I saw the 2005 tour in Boston. They did not play Hymn for the Fallen. I wrote about all this in my email, too. I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I try not to repeat myself too much on here. I think I do a good job. And the rest of this will not be repeating. Anyway, it turns out that it is uh, not on any Dead Can Dance album, and it only shows up in a recorded form as a secret track on one pressing of one Lisa Gerard solo album, The Silver Tree, which I had not heard. And so I went and looked this up, and I was like, oh, my God, Lisa Gerard just has so much solo stuff I've never heard. So I've been trying to tackle it. And uh, The Silver Tree is a fantastic album. The version on Spotify does not have him for the Fallen on it, but it's still really good. It's just moody, atmospheric, like intense. It's a great record. I really liked it. Uh, I did not really love the mirror pool, her first solo album, which I bought when it came out. Um, but then she's got like another album up there. Lisa Gerard with uh, somebody named Jules Maxwell. Don't know who that is. The album's called burn. Uh, almost has a deaf Haven vibe in places. Like it's really good. It's kind of shoegazy, a little post rock. There's some cheesy moments on it, but it's all in all a really good record. And then she's got one with a big new prisoner who is a Polish composer that I'm obsessed with. It was the composer for all the early Krzysztof Kieslowski films, including like uh, the double life of Veronique blue, white, red, uh, the Decalogue. And uh, you know, he's great. I love him. And uh, he did an album with Lisa Gerard and somebody named Dominic Wanya, and it's called Melodies of My Youth. And it's just like big classical music with her doing like classical vocals. And it's it's great. So there's a lot more Lisa Gerard solo stuff I haven't listened to. I kind of just ignored her solo career because like there's a lot of soundtrack stuff, you know, and like I didn't love the, the Mirror Pool, the first one. Um, but. The non-soundtrack ones of the last decade or two are fantastic. Uh, and then I listened to the album Land of Talk called Indistinct Conversations. It's kind of like Mellow's Fist of Pop, a little synthy, and I really liked it. Strong recommend. And that's it for three weeks. That's pretty good, right? For you guys, I mean. For me, it's not that much, but yeah, yeah. Television, still watching Mythbusters. Uh, we are just kind of, I think, 2014 now, so we're getting, we're nearing the end. We're on the season, we're in the 10th anniversary season, and there are 13 seasons, I think. So we're getting there. It's still really pleasant to watch. Uh, they still kind of inspire and awe you every couple episodes, which is impressive. They're still too obsessed with guns and explosions, but, you know, we can get by. We can work with it. Uh, I've been watching Saturday Night Live since it started. There have been two episodes so far. Uh, Casey Musgraves was the guest on one of them, and Halsey was a guest on one of them, and I like Casey Musgraves, and I like Halsey. Both were serviceably good live performances. Neither one was amazing. Uh, it's been pretty pleasant. That Kim Kardashian didn't do as bad as I thought she was going to do. And yeah, it's been fine. Yeah, I, I do miss Beck Bennett, though. I'm not going to lie. What If is over. Season finale. Marvel animated thing is fine. I don't know if I care that much. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll worry about it if there's a season two. And we have then since then watched like all the Marvel intervening movies and see if it has any impact on the master storyline of the MCU. And if not, I'll just skip it from here on out. Uh, Lower Decks, however, the Star Trek cartoon is fucking hilarious and amazing. And if you're a Star Trek fan, it really is must-watch TV. It's so great. <laughs> we just wrapped up season two last night. I'm very sad. It'll be ten months until there's more of it. But it is really, like, the best. And I, 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 it, it, we might rewatch it all. It's just so funny. It's so Star Trek, and it's, like, 
so done with love and it's like funny but there are real adventures and circumstances it's just yeah there's a lot going for it and then uh what's today the 15th so wednesday was october 13th which is chris carter from the x-files birthday thus fox Mulder's birthday in the x-files and it is the day that my wife being an x-files obsessive always celebrates the x-files by watching some x-files episodes sometimes in non-pandemic years she throws a big party and has people over and watches the x-files sometimes it's just her and me this year it was just her and me we watched two episodes i've watched all the x-files with her so, you know, these are rewatches and I really made her like pick two episodes we haven't seen a million times or she hasn't seen a million times. So like we're trying to find some good, good episodes that haven't been watched a lot. And we did. We succeeded. We found like their Groundhog Day ripoff episode and the one with the talking tattoo voiced by Jodie Foster. And they were both pretty solid. It was it was a good evening. So that's it for TV. I only watched one movie in the last three weeks. I rewitched rewatched John Wick three. Because it goes through my head every day. It's really disturbing. Um, I can't remember. You know, it's not, you know, I've been very fascinated with this phenomenon. I wrote a whole poem about it. I talk about it a lot. But like, as you go through your daily life, you have these little flashes of things. Like when I brush my teeth, I always remember Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back. But somewhere, I often think of the scene in John Wick 3 where he goes to the desert to find the man above the high table. I've only seen John Wick 3 once. And I was like, I'm going to watch that again and see if it's worth always having this go through. Why does this go through my head all the time? What's what's going on here? Uh, You know, John Wick 1 and 2, I've seen a bunch. John Wick 3, I was like, "Ah, it wasn't that good of a movie, so I didn't feel the need to watch it again. And then years later, this stupid scene starts going through my head all the time and it's starting to freak me out. So I decided to watch it again. And it's, you know, it's fine as a John Wick movie of, like, very good fight scenes if you're into that sort of thing. And they're kind of cool, but, like, oh, it's three movies in, so you're like, okay, all right. I like the horse part. The humor, the deadpan humor is still there. That's really good. But the plot is problematic. The mythology of the high table is inconsistent, and it is starting to bug me. (laughs) I had completely forgotten that John Wick 3 ends with a cliffhanger and there will be a sequel and John wick four was supposed to come out this May and it didn't, it's coming out next May now. Uh, so maybe they'll fix a lot of this stuff, but like the plot of John wick three is problematic. The structure of it and the, the, the functionality of the high table is, it doesn't make any sense. It's not realistic. <laughs> I feel like writing an essay about this. I might do that, but, (laughs) but you know, the high table is a table, right? It is a council. There are people on this council from many different crime family syndicates around the world. And the most powerful ones are represented on this table. There's a man above the table. It turns out, which we learned about in this movie. That's fine. Whatever. Every council has a president, right? But like the, you know, in the first two movies and most of the third movie, it was presented as sort of a UN like organization, maybe a more stronger UN where there is a, a modicum of world government, but generally speaking, it derived its power from the syndicate, but not so it turns out at the end of John wick three, a, the high table has its own military forces ready to be deployed in a moment's notice on any continent. And somehow no governments care. Or they're completely, it's unspoken, which, okay, maybe sure. But maybe like that isn't what you've been telling us about the high table the whole time for three movies. And then secondly, like the plot is just dumb. Like he, like John wick goes to appeal to the high table for peace 
that he doesn't seem to have any intention of keeping. And in order to do that, he almost kills himself finding the guy above the high table. He chops his own finger off. Then he goes back to New York, which is where he was before he started that journey and decides not to have peace and continues fighting the high table. And it's like, you know, okay, you could have done that anyway. <laughs> you didn't need to go all the way there, make a piece just to break it and keep fighting them. That seems counterproductive. Also, like at the very end of the movie, he joins forces with one of the syndicates underneath the high table. And it's like, okay, fine. But like, that was an opportunity available to you before your journey into the Sahara Desert. Like this adjudicator woman was going around being really rude to various syndicate members of the high table, right? The family, Angelica Houston's group, the Bowery, Morgan Freeman's group, and uh, the, the Continental, Ian McShane's group. And like one of them was probably going to crack from this abuse. And in the fact, in the end, that's what happened. So you could have just teamed up with the ones that were going to crack after the adjudicator abused things without going all the way to the desert, getting your finger chopped off, coming all the way back to where you started from. It doesn't make any sense. I doubt a single one of you cared about that. I'm sorry. I will stop. <laughs> and then in books, I finally finished night before last. I finished What Hath God Wrought, The Transformation of America, 1815 to 1848 by Daniel Walker Howe, Pulitzer Prize reigning history of antebellum America before the Civil War. It's fantastic. It's 900 pages. It's all the stuff in American history you've heard about, but you don't really know the full story to. Not all of it, but the Mexican-American War, the Wilmot Proviso, the Doors Rebellion, uh, Presidents Zachary, you know, Zachary Taylor, John Tyler... Harrison, uh, Andrew Jackson, of course, Jacksonian democracy, blah, blah, blah. Martin Van Buren. Now at a cocktail party, I could say something intelligent about Martin Van Buren. That'll come in handy at some time in life. No, but you know, I mean, that's the serious thing I'll say about this. And I've, I've written this several times now is that it really is absolutely hundred percent true that all of American history after the civil war is a history of slavery. There were people in the Senate that voted every issue, no matter how unrelated to slavery, they voted it with an eye towards slavery. Railroads, dams, the telegraph, the Navy, the Army, whether to construct a Capitol building, their position on crimes that took place in Rhode Island, everything, their votes were votes about slavery. It's insane. That's all they cared about. They would have thrown the country out the fucking window. They just cared about slavery. So, you know, 1619 Project was not lying. Uh, and now I'm reading Whore of New York by Liara Rue, Autobiography of a Sex Worker in New York. I think we met. It's hard for me to explain. Uh, I think she's a friend of a friend, and I've met her a couple times. I don't really know. She came on my radar a few years ago. I follow her on Twitter, and then she's like, I wrote this book. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm not very far along, so we'll talk about it in a week or two. But it is very interesting so far. money thank you for listening sorry i skipped a week miss you guys drop a line let me know how you're doing if you got any books to recommend albums to listen to let me know about them hope your week is going swimmingly hope you're doing okay in these pandemic times and enjoying yourself let's talk soon take care <laughs>